Well, if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus, the book of Titus, we've been studying through this little book for several months now, and uh, we're going to continue uh, this morning in Titus chapter 2. Uh, you go to the New Testament and just go on past the, the Gospels. It's going to be somewhere right in the middle of the New Testament. You'll get past. If you find Timothy, just keep flipping to the right and you'll run into Titus. All right. So find Timothy and then you'll go to Titus. If you've gone to Hebrews, you've gone too far. All right. So you just go backwards and you'll come into the book of Titus. Sure is good to see a, a good crowd here this morning. And aren't you glad October finally decided to show up? Amen. I am too. It was nice and, and uh, crisp this morning. And I was, I was, when I first walked out, I was thinking, oh my, I think I might have a frost on the car. But it's just I hadn't been around cold weather in so long. <laughs> and that was really only 50 when I felt like 30. But, uh, but it was nice uh, nevertheless. And just want to thank the Lord, uh, first of all, for a wonderful, fun day yesterday. Uh, at our harvest at the creek, it was our third annual fall festival, and it was a, a great success. And I give God all the glory. And uh, we had uh, many families come out from the community. Some are here with us this morning. Just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming to worship with us this morning. We had a fun day, and uh, we we are we were praying about the rain. Uh, I was just nervous. I was, I have to admit, I was being a little bit of man of fear, uh, throughout the week. I was kind of back and forth. You know, the, the weather, you know how the weather man goes. I mean, he'll, he really doesn't know. And, and he, he just, he just talks, right? And, uh, he just makes it sound good. And, and, uh, we watch him anyway every day. That's how he keeps his job. We, we, we tend to believe him. And, um, but nevertheless, they were calling for 90% Monday or Tuesday, then it was 60, then it was 20, and I'm like, yes, ah, this thing's going to work out. And then, lo and behold, on Friday and Friday night, then they're back up to 50%. And, uh, but I was reminded 50% just simply means he has no idea uh, what, what it's going to do. It might rain, it might not. And uh, so we were just praying, and thankfully uh, the Lord did uh, hold off the rain for us. It sprinkled just a little bit, but the kids probably did not even notice it. Uh, we had the jump houses up, and, and, and they just seemed to have a real good time. Thank you for all those that participated. I know all couldn't make it, uh, various reasons, and I understand that. But I do want to thank those that made the effort, uh, were able to come and work hard. That was uh, just tremendously appreciated. And I tell you, uh, Brother Jerry came and cooked his world-famous hot dogs. And uh, I want you to know, Brother Jerry, there was not a single one left when we packed up. And I think Stephanie Ward got the very last one, and uh, and and I'm not I'm not bitter about it at all either, uh, and uh, because that was going to be mine. But you know, Stephanie, she she is she is definitely worth the the hot dog there, getting the last one. She definitely is, and and so we're we're just grateful people came out. And someone asked me, do you think it was success success, Pastor? And I said, absolutely. And this is how I determined a a success is by this when I can look out. And on the property and with our game stuff, when I see families, moms with their children, families together, kids, and they're smiling and having a good time together, that's a success. That's the goal, just to be an encouragement for us to come out and enjoy uh, that, that, that type of fun together. 
And uh, Brother Jake told me that, Pastor, when we uh, started that first hayride, he said basically it was nonstop until right around 4.30 or so. And so I was grateful for that too and, and just uh, just want to give God the glory. And we hopefully, by God's grace, will we'll do that every year and um, and just trust the Lord to lead us in that and to help us. And can't help the weather, but we can plan it and try to just trust the Lord to provide. Well, if you got your place there in the book of Titus, uh, chapter 2, I'm going to read one verse this morning, chapter 2, in verse 11. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I want to read that again, church. Titus 2, 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. By His... Divine intervention, and only by His help, I want to preach a message to you entitled, Grace Changes Things. Grace Changes Things. Let's pray. Holy God of heaven, I look to you and you alone. I confess I can do nothing without you. And I depend completely upon your Spirit to guide me in this message. I do pray for the hearers as well. Lord, please take away distractions. Please help them to be attentive to the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you would continually change us by your grace. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. And we commit this message to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace changes things. As we have worked through the book of Titus, we started chapter 2 and it talked about the responsibilities of the different age groups in the church and how they were to conduct themselves. And we get to this portion of Scripture and it's basically telling you why and how you were able to conduct yourself in that manner that you saw in the previous verses uh, leading up to this verse. It was this. This is the reason we can be godly. This is the reason we can be Christ-like. It's because of the grace of God. No man can take credit for being godly. No woman can take credit for being godly. The day you take credit for being godly, the day you are that's the day that you are filled with pride. Because the truth of the matter is anything that I do that is godly, it's because of his marvelous grace. Paul said it himself. Probably one of the greatest Christians that walked this earth, of course, besides the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said it, I am what I am by the grace of God. And of course, church, we do have a a part in it. And that part is simply yielding. As you study the Scriptures, you find that very, very uh, clearly that God expects us to be a channel, a vessel, a tool, an instrument where we yield ourselves to this marvelous grace. We see that Paul is coming to this verse and after he gives these commands to these different people groups in the church, he says, For, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all Men, you know, as we walk this Christian life, 
we do absolutely depend upon grace. But before you can live the victorious Christian life, you must first come to the realization that it begins with true and authentic salvation. It begins with a life that gets born again. And I use that term because Jesus used it with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And that simply means that you get saved. You receive the word salvation by trusting Christ as your Savior. And that's where your journey truly begins of walking in grace. It cannot begin until you first get that foundation. And by God's grace, this morning, I do want to talk about that subject. God's grace for salvation. Longfellow could take a worthless sheet of paper, write a poem on it, and make it worth $6,000. That's genius. Rockefeller could sign his name to a piece of paper and make it worth a million dollars. That's capital. Uncle Sam can take gold, stamp on an e- stamp an eagle on it, and make it worth $20. That's money. A mechanic can take material that is worth only $5 and make it worth $50. That's skill. An artist can take a 50-cent piece of canvas, paint a picture on it, and make it worth $1,000. That's art. God can take a sinful life, wash it in the blood of Christ, put His Spirit in it, and make it a blessing to humanity, and that's salvation. And that's exactly what Titus is talking about here in verse 11. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Let's look first of all at what is this grace. Look there in verse 11. It says, for the grace of God. Now, I want to be quite transparent with you here this morning, church. I feel totally unqualified and inadequate to talk about this great subject of grace. I've pleaded with the Lord, Lord, just please help me to be a mouthpiece, a vessel. But Lord, I can, I do not know how to teach purely and clearly on the grace of God. I, it's unfathomable. It's immeasurable. And we know that it is a great, great difficult for us in our finite minds to get wrapped around it. Look at this word here in verse 11. Look at this word in verse 11. For the grace. Now that word right there comes from the Greek word charis. The Greek word charis. Now let me explain something to you about this word that we see here, uh, grace. It was, of course, in the original Greek language, and it was used very often. And it was very much elevated. It was an elevated word in their culture, uh, this word charis, which we get the word grace here. And what, was, what did that word mean to this pagan uh, Greek culture? Well, it simply meant an act of kindness. It meant simply that you wanted to show favor. And here's the key thing that they, uh, what the, the, the meaning of the word, it, it was the key to it was not only was it a, a, an act of favor and kindness, but get this. It was, it was done with nothing in return expected. Nothing in return was expected. In other words, you went and did a favor for a friend or a family member. You gave them something, did something for them, provided for them in some way with not expecting anything in return. 
that was grace. That's what they considered grace. And But I wanted you to understand a key element of that meaning. And that pagan culture, do you know who charis or grace was offered towards? It was offered toward friends. It was offered toward family. But my friends, when the New Testament was penned by the Holy Spirit through men who wrote His Word, grace, charis, took on a much, much deeper meaning. You see, when it was originally written, grace and charis was to be extended towards friends and family, people that you loved and people that you liked, and you wanted to offer a service not expecting anything in return. But get this, when it was penned in the New Testament and in contexts like this, it took on a deeper meaning. Why? Because you know why? God says, I'm going to take this to a whole nother level. The person in the Greek culture said, I'm going to extend it toward my friend. You know what God says He's going to do? He's going to extend it towards His enemies. His enemies. The ones that had rebelled against His truth and and against His will. He's going to extend grace unto them. It's a beautiful word indeed. But when it goes into the New Testament context, it exceeds all human comprehension. Oh, My friends, that's something that we will dwell on here in the next 20 to 25 minutes. I'm praying that God would help us to understand this marvelous grace that Titus speaks of. How was this grace shown? How was this grace demonstrated? And how was this grace offered? Well, I want to tell you, I go no further than through the Son of God, Jesus Christ Himself. That is where God manifested His grace to the human race. The Lord Jesus. Notice that word in our text, appeared. That word appeared there is meaning it was brought forth, it was shown, it was made available. It came for the distinct purpose to to help all of mankind. Listen to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time was come... God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Do you see? We celebrate Christmas. Why? Because grace was personified through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it came through Him, born of a virgin. And when He came, He came full of grace and Truth. Listen, when we think of grace this morning, we can't think of any further, first of all, without thinking about the Lord Jesus. That is who we think about. The New Testament writers wrote about this. Favors, that that, that God favors even those upon who are ill-deserving and grants to sinners a pardon of their offenses. That is our God. Listen to Romans chapter 3 verse 24. Being justified freely, get it church, by His grace. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I like the way one author put it here in Thayer's uh, New Testament uh, lexicon here. He says, and that through pity for sinful men, Christ left His state of blessedness with God in heaven. And voluntarily underwent the hardships and miseries of human life 
and by his sufferings and death procured salvation for mankind. Isn't that wonderful? You think about that grace this morning. You think about what God's grace has done for you, what it's done for me, and what it truly has done for the whole world. It has appeared to all to make available to all. And by the way, I think about this verse and I cannot help but think about missions. I mean, truly, God has made this grace available. And so what are we doing to be channels of that availability? We think about these missionaries, and some of you may be visiting, what in the world do they have in this auditorium? These are flags representing countries where we currently are supporting missionaries, preaching the gospel, making it appear before a lost and dying world. And that's exactly what God intended when He said, Go ye into all the world. Preach grace, the grace of Jesus Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, that's Adam in the beginning, death reigned by one. Listen to this. Much more they which abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. That's Jesus Christ. Do you get that? Yes, the abundance of sin came through Adam, no doubt about it. But the Word of God says much more the abundance of Christ comes grace, comes salvation that is to be gloried in, in Him. Do you see, the whole human race stands guilty, clearly guilty of sin, and judgment is justly deserved. That's not very good news, is it? <laughs> that's the bad news. And that, by the way, that, that's what makes grace so special. Because we understand the depths that God went for us. We stand guilty, justly deserved, but thank God and His infinite mercy, He is offering grace to us, to all the world. You think of it like this way. The judge. King Jesus, the judge. This Again, I'm sorry, I will try to explain this, but I know our human minds have a hard time wrapping around it, but the Spirit of God will help us. But just think about this. The judge who was in the glories for all eternity, King Jesus Christ, the judge, the Almighty, looked down upon a sin-cursed world that rebelled against Him. And what He did is going to just boggle our minds. In His grace, Jesus Christ, the judge, stepped down from His heavenly home. His heavenly throne. The judge, I take it. The judge. And came down to this earth and took the judgment upon Himself. Now, can you imagine that, friends? Some going to the courthouse today. Perhaps one has committed murder, the crime of murder, and he's going to seek a life sentence, or or better yet, for sake of illustration, he's going to receive the death penalty. And the judge and the, vict- the, the man stands there, the criminal stands there, and, and he is given uh, his sentence. And it's death. And after the sentence is given, the judge then says, By the way, you are guilty as you ever will be. But I want to tell you something. I'm going to take your death for you. The judge? Wait a minute. 
minute, judge. You're just supposed to be giving the sentence. You don't take the death for this criminal. He deserves that. He deserves every bit of it. And the judge agrees. Yes, he does. But today, I'm going to offer grace. And my friends, over 2,000 years ago, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. The devil says they are doomed for all eternity. They deserve every bit of it. And God says we deserve it because of our sin. But I want to tell you, Jesus stepped on the scene as king. He departed from the throne. He came down and praised God. The judge took our penalty on the cross of Calvary. My friends, that's the grace to be marveled in. That's the grace that the judge himself took our sentence. That's awesome. And I marvel in that. And I hope that does something to your heart. And my friends, if there's someone here, you've never experienced that grace. Perhaps you are still trying to carry your sin. Perhaps you're trying to be a good person and a good citizen. And and you just can't seem to get ahead. And you fail and fail and fail. And you realize that perhaps you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never come to Him and received this salvation from sin. Jesus Christ has appeared to all. And that is meaning He has appeared to this world to be trusted in. Oh yes, to be believed in as the one who died and rose again the third day. Notice with me here, we see first of all that uh, this grace is defined. But then look to see what does it bring there in verse 11. It says, for the grace of God, which we know is speaking of Jesus Christ, It says that it bringeth salvation. Now, what does this mean? Well, this word salvation, as I mentioned, talks about being delivered, deliverance, being redeemed. And he'll use that word again later on. But it's the deliverance from sin. And by the way, we have all sinned. I've, I don't know about you, but I have come in contact with people before and say, listen, I haven't sinned. I, I, I don't know about you. I've never sinned. Well, and, and I remember just recently talking to somebody not too long ago. And they said, well, yes, I mean, I've, I've been mean. I've been maybe ugly to some people. I maybe did some things, you know. I maybe, and I, of course, I always like to ask this one because I know it's, it, everyone has to admit this. Have you ever told a lie? And, of course, if, if, if people are honest, they will say Yes. And, of course, this person said, yes, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't hurting anybody. But the fact of the matter is, we are all guilty. And the Bible declares it very clearly. But this idea of salvation, I want you to know, is by God's grace. This salvation, number one, from what? Salvation from sin. Sin has entrapped us, has us in bondage, and the only one that can free us is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8. For by grace are ye saved. It's by grace. Through faith. We have to receive it by faith. And then what he says, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Hey, listen, you know why the Word of God says bringeth salvation? Because, listen, church, God is the only one that can bring salvation. I can't bring it. I can't offer it. I can't earn it. I can't do any of that. God brings the salvation. I simply have to receive it as a gift. It's that simple. 
And what we see in the word of God, the grace of God has appeared to all men. It has appeared to us to understand that we need deliverance. It bringeth salvation. Romans 5.12 again says, Wherefore, as by one man sin, sin entered into the world. That's Adam. And death by sin. And get this. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We're guilty. But thank God, the judge is offering to take our guilt. Read and meditate upon Isaiah 53 often, Christian. And you will see as it depicts there and shows forth the, the, the crucifixion from the prophet Isaiah taking our guilt, taking our shame, taking our sin. That's my Jesus. And He can be yours too. Because He loves you and He loves me. But he, you need to understand the depth of your depravity. It's not, oh, I've done a few bad things. It's not that I've messed up every once in a while. It's not that I'm an okay person because that will not cut it. That will not come forth to God for sure at the great white throne judgment. A little boy walked into the kitchen and told his mother that he had discovered that he was six feet tall. When she asked how he had determined this, he told her he had used his shoe to measure and that he was six shoes tall. With a loving smile, she told him that his shoe was not a foot long. He insisted, but mom, it's got to be because my foot's in it. You know, that's the way some people think about their salvation. They form their own standard to meet. They form, they believe that they have been a pretty good person and the, the truth is they have a faulty standard. And my friends, we can go no further when we measure ourselves. We must measure ourselves up to this book. And we must measure ourselves up to Jesus Christ and we will fall short immensely if we are honest with ourselves. And that will help us to understand the, the great news of grace. It changes things. We're going to see here some of the things it changes. But not only does it save from sin, but it saves from hell. The grace of God that bringeth salvation. What are you being delivered from? Well, you're obviously the person that trusts in Christ is being delivered from sin. The church, I want to tell you something that we don't hear preached on in churches much these days. You won't hear this at the Joel Osteen's. You won't hear at these seeker-friendly churches that just make you feel real good and may mention a few things. You won't hear them stand up from the pulpit and preach what the Bible says about hell. And it's not that we take joy in preaching about it, but Jesus preached about it more than He did heaven. And it's a real thing. And we must understand that to understand the depths of God's marvelous, wonderful, absolute, great grace, we must understand what He delivered us from. I believe we would have some more fervent Christians. I believe we would have some more exciting Christians. I believe we would have some more serious Christians if we understood the depths of God's marvelous grace in our lives. I would agree that God's grace is hard to fully comprehend. But something that helps to understand it is to meditate. And this goes against our pride. 
But church, get this. It helps to meditate upon what we deserve. It's healthy for us in our spiritual life to take a step back and to realize what I deserve and what you deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve hell. That's what I deserve. I deserve eternal separation and torment. Never with a chance to be saved. That's what I deserve. Brinson Jennings, that's exactly what I deserve because of my sin against a holy God. In fact, your preacher, your pastor should be there right now crying out to Almighty God and crying out, Can someone help me? Can someone give me a drip of water on the tip of my tongue? Someone help me. Brinson Jennings, the man you're looking at, should be there right now, this time, October 21st, 2018. I did not trust Christ until I was 21 years of age. I had plenty of opportunities to believe upon the Lord Jesus, but I chose my own way. I was satisfied with the world. I wanted more of the world. I joined the military. I kept diving in deeper and deeper into the world. I almost died as a senior in high school. Hit a tree head on with four of the guys that were under the influence. And I should have died there. I should have died. They should have had my funeral there, church. I'm telling you. I remember being on one of the Caribbean islands and under the influence. And I remember stepping just centimeters, literally centimeters, from a large truck that was probably traveling at 50 miles per hour. Blew right in front of my face. My life flashed before my eyes. If I would have died at that point, church, I would be in hell right now during this time you are worshiping and somebody else preaching. That's where, that's what I deserve. But oh God, He saved me at the age of 21. He brought some Christians into my life and witnessed to me and convicted me and drew me into a relationship with Him. What is that church? Oh, that's God's marvelous grace. Oh, the more I get, the more I think about my salvation, the more I think about old John Newton, who wrote that great hymn of the faith, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Praise God, now I can see. My friends, let me ask you something this morning, and I mean all the kindness I can. What does God's grace do for you this day? Believer, Does it move you to praise? Does it move you to adoration to the Lord God? Does it move you to humble yourselves before the Lord God in just a spirit of gratitude? What about when you sing to the Lord, great is thy faithfulness? What about when you sing amazing grace? Does it do do something to your heart? My friends, God help us when we get lukewarm towards the amazing grace of God. I like what C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, A seat in heaven shall one day be thine, but a chain in hell would have been thine if grace had not changed thee. That's where we would be. Oh, but thank you, Lord Jesus. Your marvelous grace have delivered us. The judge, he took it. He bridged the gap. The eternal gap. You say, well, pastor, don't you think it's a little extreme to teach that when someone dies without Christ, they die for all eternity in torment? Don't you think that's a little extreme, pastor? 
You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. In my humanistic thinking, I would agree. It's hard for us as humans in our human thinking to fathom the fact that when someone dies without Christ, they don't just go to hell for ten years. In my humanistic thinking, this is what I would think. Now, what would be just? Now, listen, this is in my humanistic thinking. I would say, well, wouldn't it be a little bit more reasonable if, if what the person did is that they only had to go burn eternally for the amount of years that they were alive? Because I can't even imagine burning alive in torment for one second, much less for all eternity. Can we just put this thing down to the amount of years that we are living That would be reasonable. There's one major, enormous problem with that thinking. We have subtracted the holiness of God. We have subtracted the teaching of eternity. Because of God's holiness, and because we are eternal beings, you are an eternal being, and God is eternal. You are an eternal being right now. And the very fact, ladies and gentlemen, that when you die, you die in either a saved state, born again, or you die in a lost state. And when we die from this physical life, eternity is only beginning. And so, therefore, when I enter into eternity, when I take my last breath, thank God, I know Jesus, I'm going to heaven, praise God. But if you don't know that, I want to tell you, if you take your last breath and you've heard the gospel and you've rejected it because you're depending on your good works, your religion, or anything else, you will enter into eternal torment. Never, ever, 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 ever to be freed. And when you think about the enormity of that torment, that helps the grace of God be that much greater. Do you see the greatness of God's grace this morning, church? Oh, may God's people get excited about this grace. Oh, I think we've gotten used to it. I think we've just got an old hat to us many times. But oh, my friends, what God delivered us from and delivered you from. And I tell people that were born in Christian homes and got saved at a young age like my sweet loving wife. I say, listen, you need to realize that you were saved by the same grace that somebody that lived a life of sin and got saved later in life. Same grace. The same amount of grace. You were just as wicked of a sinner than the person who had lived his whole life in sin. It was the same. It was the debt that could not be paid. Oh, my friends, I want to tell you, if you were saved at a young age, by the, you need to shout hallelujah for the grace of God in your life. My friends, that is awesome. And we need to give God the praise. So in closing here, we see that Grace is that favor and kindness that God has extended to His enemies. We see that that grace has bring has excuse me brought salvation. It bringeth salvation from sin, from hell, from the lake of fire. It's deliverance. But who is it for? And that's where we'll see here in verse eleven. Look there in your verse. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to what church? All men. All men. 
appears to all men, all tribes, all nations, all people, every person. Listen, your pastor in no way believes in limited atonement. That simply means that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was limited to only a certain few. I believe that's blasphemy. I believe the blood was shed for every sinner. Amen? And I can look at every sinner that I come in contact with, look them right in the eye and say, Jesus shed His blood for you. And I can say it with the authority of the Word of God. This wonderful grace has appeared to all men. The drug addict, the rapist, the drug dealer, the drunk, the religious man that comes to church every Sunday with his pretty suit on, this woman that comes to church with her nice dress on, Bible tucked under her hand, but yet coming in, depending on their religion, you know what? God's grace is for them too. God's grace is for every single person. And it is enough. It is enough. Totally enough to deliver that person from the debt, the eternal debt that we have unto God. God's grace is sufficient. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 through 6. For this is God, excuse me, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will have all, excuse me, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself for all to be testified in due time. Listen, it is God's will for all. It is God's will for you. Can I say something to you, friend? If you're here today and you're not sure if you're saved, you know what? God wants you to be saved. God loves you with an everlasting love. He wants to give you His favor. Yes, right now you're His enemy because you have rejected the gospel. You are. You are an enemy of God. But can I tell you, God even extends His grace to His enemies. We were all enemies. No one has ever come in this world and was naturally a friend of God. No one. No one has ever come into this world and was naturally a friend of God. We were born in this world alienated. We were enemies. We were children of darkness. Oh, but God in His grace sent Jesus to bridge the gap, the eternal gap. And He brought God and man and brought us together by His precious holy blood, the cross. And I want to tell you, you can come today. Don't depend on your religion. Don't depend on your feel-goodness because I can tell you right now, the devil will give you some things that will make you feel good and you know what it will do? It will numb you to the gospel. He will use that to blind you. But let the gospel penetrate through that and look to Jesus. We see it appears to all men, but can I close with this, please? Man must respond. Man must respond. Who's this grace for? Well, it's for all men, but especially for those that believe. That's also found in Timothy. For the, in, in 1 John, excuse me. The grace of God, this salvation is for all men, but to especially those to believe. Who, what is that saying? It's saying that to those who will truly respond. It's for all. But especially to those that will embrace it and say, 
Glory, I want that. I need that. I must have that. Oh, I'm so deep into my sin. It's so disgusting to God. I'm a wicked, vile sinner worthy of eternal damnation. I must respond. Listen, I want to say this with authority. And don't let this scare anybody this morning. You know I say it in love. But I want to say this very clearly. If you've never seen yourself as a hell-deserving sinner, I would doubt your salvation. Have you ever seen yourself as a hell-deserving sinner? Listen, why do I say that? Because you can't truly understand the grace that God offers if you haven't seen yourself as a hell-deserving sinner. That's what we're being delivered from. Sin and its penalty. And if you on this earth thinking that, well, you know, I was a sinner, but you know, it's okay. God will oversee that. It will all work out in the end. My friend, what are you being saved from? Hey, when God saved you, He saved a hell-bound sinner. And do I need, do you need, did you need to understand all the doctrines of hell and all the doctrines of heaven and all the details of that? No. But what you did need to see yourself as and what I need to see myself as is somebody, somebody that was worthy of eternal judgment without Jesus Christ. But knowing that in Jesus Christ there was eternal forgiveness. He bridged the gap. He bridged the gap. I believe that we must know what we're being delivered from. And another way that you could put that is realizing the depravity of your soul. That it was eternally separated from God and would have been for all eternity. You know what Jesus said to all the world? He said, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that saith, excuse me, let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will. Let him take the water of life freely. It's offered to the whole world. Aren't you thankful that God offers it to all? And my friends, I want to tell you here today that you may have received this. You may have received this, but there are so many that have not. What are we going to do with God's grace? Are we going to let it move us to tell a world that needs it desperately? Are we just going to sit in our comfortable homes and live our little comfortable lives without ever talking to anybody about this grace, without ever making an effort to tell somebody about the Lord, without praying for the lost, without thinking about even going to the mission field? You know, we just get right into our little comfort zones. And do you know what I believe that is, Brother David? I believe that we have lost the wonder of it all. The grace of God. You know, the fact... That you live a better life, do better things, and are a nicer person may make you a better neighbor. It may make you a better citizen. But it does not make you fit for heaven. That can only happen by the grace of God. Suppose three men decided to swim from the coast of California to Hawaii. What would you say about those men? You would say they were crazy. They'd say they were foolish. Say they have lost their minds. But for sake of illustration, let's just say three men decide to do that. Well, after they get on their swim, they get going good. And one may swim further than the other. And then one further than the other. And then one wins it all. He goes a great distance. But do you know something all three will have in common? They'll never make it. 
And they perhaps may even drown if someone's not there to pick them up. You see that great divide, that enormous divide of the Pacific Ocean and seeking to swim across to the island of Hawaii is is crazy to even think about a man doing that, a woman doing that. But you know, it's even crazier to think that someone can think that they can get to heaven the way they want to instead of by the grace of Almighty God. You might be here this morning and honestly, you're trying to swim that gap. Constantly. I've done good. I've prayed. I've prayed. I've prayed. Stop doing that. Don't depend on your prayer. Don't depend on your tithing. Don't depend on your church attendance. Don't depend on any of those things. It is only by the grace of God that's found in Jesus Christ. He bridges the gap. Would you pray with me, please? With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to extend an invitation To all this morning. And that is, first of all, to my friends here that are unsure about their salvation. What the Bible says about being saved. The grace of God. Would you say very honestly, Pastor Brinson, if I was completely honest with you this morning and before the Lord, I'm not sure if I've ever experienced this grace. I've heard about Christ. I know about Christ. But receiving this grace from Jesus Christ, that eternal freedom of forgiveness from my sin, I've never experienced that, Pastor. I don't know that I am born again. I don't know that my heart has ever been changed by this grace. If that's you here this morning, would you allow me to pray for you? I won't embarrass you. I'll give you my word. I want to pray for you. I will pray at the end of the service. But if that is you here, you you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I've ever experienced eternal forgiveness from Jesus Christ. I'm not sure whether I would go to heaven or hell. There is a lot of uncertainty in my heart, Pastor. And would you put me on your prayer list just to pray for? Would you just slip up your hand quickly? Say, this is a doubt of mine, Pastor. I'm not sure if I have received this grace. Lift it up high so that I can see it and then put it right back down. Anybody like that? You just say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm I'm unsure if I'm saved. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Don't, I don't want you to embarrass me. But I don't know that I've received this grace. And I need to get this worked out in my own heart. Anybody else like that? Alright. Christian, let me ask you a question. How do you view the grace of God in your life right now? When's the last time you got on your face before God and just marveled at His grace with adoration, with worship? When's the last time you shared your testimony of saving grace to another lost sinner? When's the, when's the last time you just talked about the grace of God in your life? Perhaps there's a lot of Christians here that need a revival in marveling in the grace of God. Knowing what it has done for you. Knowing what it delivered you from. Knowing how it has changed you. Oh, my friends, let's respond to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Would you stand with me, please, as the instruments begin to play?